0: Good afternoon and welcome to our show, We're Talking Golf. My name is Douglas Maida and I'm your host. Well, it has been another great week in golf. We had a fantastic PGA championship wrap up last weekend with Phil Mickelson becoming the oldest player to win a major championship. This week, we watched the Charles Schwab Challenge held at Colonial Club in Fort Worth, Texas, where Jordan Spieth had another good showing in his home state. But his final round, 73, Allowed Jason Kokrak to sneak by and claim the win after shooting an even par 70 for a two-shot victory. We also have the first match play event on the LPGA since the Lorena Ochoa Invitational in 2018. The women gathered this past week in Las Vegas to play Shadow Creek, and after three days of round robin group play, yesterday was the start of the knockout rounds with players being eliminated until we reached today's final match. Today's final match was between Ali Ewing and Sofia Popoff. Ali Ewing defeated Sofia Popoff 2-1 to take the Match Play Championship. With Ali Ewing's win today, another spot was opened up for this week's U.S. Women's Open. That last spot was filled by Brittany Yada of Hawaii, which brings the total field to 155 players for San Francisco. Now, our guest today first joined us last year as one of our very first guests on the show, Amy Cho will be here to discuss the 76th U.S. Women's Open Championship that is coming up this week from San Francisco at the Olympic Club. Now, before I introduce our guest, I would like to welcome our listeners and subscribers from around the world. Because without you and your support, we simply would not be able to bring you this show. Now, before we get into today's show, we're going to take a short break for these commercial
1: messages. Built on a sleek titanium frame. With a light yet strong carbon body and a precision weighting system, the new TR20 from Hanma, speed reframed. Welcome to our show. We are proud to announce that We're Talking Golf has been recognized as one of the top 40 podcasts to follow in 2021 for PGA and LPGA golf coverage. Today's show is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver. British Columbia. We are produced by The World of Golf and you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.worldofgolf.org or on our social media channels of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and now on LinkedIn. For those of you in Asia and elsewhere, you can also follow us on Weibo and WeChat. Now, back to our show. Here is your host, Douglas Mader.
0: Welcome back to the show and thank you for staying with us. Now let's get straight to our guest. Joining us today is Amy Cho. Amy is an LPGA Class A instructor. She's a former professional player having played on both the Symmetra Tour and having earned status on the LPGA. She is also a TPI certified golf fitness instructor. With her knowledge and experience, Amy is easily one of the most popular instructors on YouTube, with over 300,000 subscribers on her Golf with Amy channel. Amy has an extremely easy-to-understand way of teaching golf, or as many of her followers know, it's called Amy-fying, making golf simple, fun, and effective. Welcome back to the show, Amy.
2: Thanks for having me. How are you, Doug? Douglas?
0: <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well and we're so uh, so pleased to have you join us. Thank you. So how are you uh been doing since we last saw you Amy? You've uh, you're a very busy person.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been very busy this year. Uh, I've been working a lot with the PGE Tour. Directly they've been hiring me as a Korean uh Korean reporter. So I work with them for the Players Championship and the ATT Byron Nelson. So I've been working really closely with the Korean guys on tour. And also I was, you know, at the LPGA tournaments a couple of times this year. um, So as an influencer, so that was fun as well. So yeah, I've been very busy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's terrific. It's always nice to see you. Tell us a little bit about this past week for you. Oh, yes. You were guest spot uh, as a guest analyst with CBS LA. Yes. So what was that like? How was the experience?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was my first time being on like a CBS live TV. Um, I was on both Saturday and Sunday for the PGA Championship and uh, I was live and uh, I, I had a lot of fun. You know, I love talking about golf. I'm very passionate about golf. So Jim Hill for CBS LA, he's been doing it for like 20 years or something. So he was great. He was basically just running the whole show and I was just kind of hanging out with him. So It was, it was a ton of fun.
0: (laughs) And of course you were there covering the, uh, or providing some analysis on the PGA championship. Yes. Yes. So what what were your thoughts? I mean,
2: how exciting was it to have Phil win? You know, he, he made history of like the oldest person ever to win a major at almost age 51. Right. That was such an exciting weekend. Other, other than the fact that I was on live TV.
0: (laughs) What do you think about Phil and his TPI background? Because that was something that came up a, a fair bit, particularly after he won. And uh, I noticed there was a few posts about that. And, and Phil himself put something out on social media about how he's been working very hard uh, with his physical conditioning, that it was nice for it to pay off. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about I that? Mean,
2: I mean, you look at these guys, young guys out on the PGA Tour, they're getting stronger, they're getting fitter, they're hitting it farther and you know so they are they're really probably hard to keep up with especially when you know Phil is 50 almost 51 years old and so i can see how he's been working really hard to keep up and it's paid off and it was quite amazing to really see him kind of never finish in the top 20 this any of this year he was well outside 100th on the rankings and then he just when we thought he was going away fading away phil goes hey I'm still here. Let me show you how it's done.
0: <laughs> so I guess the part about Phil was that kind of uh, made the PGA Championship something like uh, not having to worry about Tiger. No Tiger Woods, no problem. There was a fantastic story to follow and get involved with. And and uh, more history was made. Uh, it
2: was so. an exciting weekend. It really was.
0: What did you think about Brooks Kepka and the way he played with regards to his knee and uh, managing to stay in it so much right till the end?
2: Yeah, I mean… You know, he had his knee surgery in uh, March and, uh, you know, he didn't do so well at the Masters, obviously, because he didn't have enough time to recover, I um, I was guessing. So I didn't think he was going to show up for this time either. And I don't know how he does it. He, he always turns it on for the majors and there are really no other players that can do that. And I think he just gets a kick out of, you know, you know, playing the majors, that's why he kind of goes, oh, it's go time. So, you know, it was just really amazing to, you know, have him show up again and put on his A game and uh, give Phil a really good run at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. He does seem to have that ability, doesn't he? Amazing. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other thoughts about the PGA Championship?
2: PGA Championship. um, I honestly, you know, with Phil winning, er I think everybody were like so excited because, you know. He, he has the best interaction with the fans, I think. I've, whenever I'm at golf tournaments, I always see him stop by juniors, and he always hands over his gloves and golf balls. And, you know, everybody loves him for the personality he has. So having, like, set a history like this and win was amazing. I mean, I mentioned this during the live TV, but um, you know how long we've waited for him to win a major, right? Like they said, 12 years. We were waiting and waiting. We didn't think he was going to do it. And in 2004 Masters, he won it. And that was a super special day. And I I thought this time was just as special for him to show up at 50 and just win a major. And it was was an amazing weekend. Because didn't he start leading from like round two or something? So it was a tougher win because it's hard to win like so many rounds, uh, do well so many rounds in a row.
0: Yeah, and he was uh, he was still near the top of the leaderboard on after round one, mm-hmm. but yeah, by round two, three, and four, he was yeah. he was there. And the one that counts the most is after round four. So. Yes,
2: I mean, I saw him up there after round two. I was like, ah, he's probably gonna you know lose stamina and then kind of falter. But he was right up there. And then what was more impressive about his rounds, the last rounds, is that um, so after a tenth, you know, the crowd started getting really loud after he made that birdie putt on 10th. So we thought game over. Kepka never came back from that 10th, you know, when the roar started happening. So I was in celebration mode with Phil for the back nine. But you know how tough that back nine was playing, right? So you could see Phil really sticking with his pre-shot routine, really trying to not lose his focus and always regroup before he hits. And I thought that was very impressive for Phil.
0: Did you uh, find some good examples there that you could use with some of the students that you work with
2: yes I always emphasize pre-shot routine especially if you've kind of lost your you know your calm and you have to regroup Um, Phil always kind of takes a deep breath and then he really makes sure he calms everything down before he walks into the shot and I think that's something every one of us can learn from
0: I was going to say I noticed the PGA has a lot of those whoop bands now. (laughs) So I imagine that's probably a pretty good way for the players to monitor their body vitals and whatnot as well.
2: Uh, Yes, I guess so. Yeah. Doesn't hurt, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to take a short commercial break and when we come back we're going to start chatting about the 76th U.S.
1: Women's Open. Built on a sleek titanium frame with a light yet strong carbon body and a precision weighting system the new TR20 from Hanma. Speed reframed. Welcome to our show. We are proud to announce that We're Talking Golf has been recognized as one of the top 40 podcasts to follow in 2021 for PGA and LPGA golf coverage. Today's show is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We are produced by The World of Golf and you can find us on the worldwide web at www.worldofgolf.org, or on our social media channels of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and now on LinkedIn. For those of you in Asia and elsewhere, you can also follow us on Weibo and WeChat. Now, back to our show. Here is your host, Douglas Mader.
0: And we're back. Thank you for staying with us. Now, we're going to move into the next segment of our show, which is addressing the 76th u.s women's open which will be held at olympic club in san francisco the historic venue is going to be the first time uh host for the women's championship so amy you i see have had the opportunity to play olympic club yes uh why don't you share what your thoughts are about the course and uh what you thought of it, the elevated greens and and something from a player's perspective that you noticed.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, I was at the media day, which was held about a month ago. So media day, just to explain briefly, um, they invite the USGA invites people that are involved in the media um, uh, category and they have a press conference. They usually have a player or two out there doing the press conference. And Michelle, Wee was there because she lives fairly close to the course and um that was fun i I went up to ask the question as well i asked her you know um other than being a mom and a golfer what part of the game she's working on and she said putting and everyone laughed including herself so (laughs) that was fun and then um i got to play the 18 after the press conference it was a tough, tough golf course it was in great shape it was absolutely beautiful out there it was super green super blue huge trees the, the the undulation on the golf course is a lot bigger than I thought. It's, it's honestly felt like uphill on every single hole. I don't know exactly how long they're playing it this year, but um, I think I played it close to 6,700 and I was hitting three woods into just about every par four. I mean, these girls on tour hit it farther than me. So, you know, they should have shorter clubs into it, but it, uphill was tough. The rough was only about two or three inches long at the time. You know, it's very short for a U.S. Open course. They probably have grown it out to super deep rough. And it was only two to three inches, but I couldn't get the club through it. It was very thick. So I was just like, I hope none of the girls ever get in the rough during the U.S. Open. (laughs) So the course was really hilly, kind of looked really long. But the greens were very tiny, guarded by a lot of bunkers, deep bunkers. So um, the course looked even longer because of the small greens. And then the bunkers, oh my, that had so much sand in there. I couldn't get out of it. I mean, I barely got out. Didn't even have a chance to like put spin on it or control distance. It was very tough.
0: (laughs) I was just chatting with a player uh, yesterday who just finished the practice round. And she was telling me that the rough is now up to about uh, 12 inches. It's a good foot deep. And so, exactly. And so I asked her, I said, is there a, is there even an intermediate cut between the fairway cut? And then you get to that one foot. She says, no, "No, I don't remember an intermediate cut now. Exactly. And she said, no, it's fairway or else you're in trouble. (laughs) She said that grass is so thick that don't even, I mean, first of all, if you find your ball, you're lucky. And then, uh don't even think about trying to advance it going forward. You're just coming out sideways, get that ball back on the fairway again and get yourself back into play to try and set up the next shot. Yeah.
2: For how sticky it was, if it's 12 inches, good luck getting, you know, your club on that ball. Right. I actually, I did, I filmed while I was there. So uh, my vlog about the media day is uploading Wednesday on my uh, YouTube
0: channel. Ah, terrific. Terrific. (laughs) So we can uh, have our listeners and readers uh, direct them to that, video of yours and uh your experience on the course well it's a great way of showing some insight into the way olympics being played or is going to play and having it from a a player perspective Mm -hmm. right (laughs) instead of a as lovely as the flyovers are it's nice to see it from the perspective that you filmed it at
2: i hope so it was it was really tough but honestly it's so hard to see the hills you know through tv and i just couldn't believe how hilly it was
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I've seen photographs of it. I've read a lot about it, particularly from the 1955 US Open and the 65 US Opens. Um, I've always understood it to be incredibly deceiving in its looks because of the slopes and things of that nature that the fairways slope, like for example, on 18 slopes from left to right. So you have to know which way you're going to take your line off the tee and depending whether or not you hit your draw or or fade, and, and uh, where are you going to try and land it so it doesn't roll all the way out the uh, other end of the fairway?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're on that hill, it, it doesn't look very hilly either. It's very deceiving when you're on it. But then you realize you're on a really big slope when you see the ball start rolling to the side. But yeah, you know, you remember in 2012 when Webb Simpson won the men's U.S. Open there? he His total was plus one. That's how tough it played. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, do you think, uh, on nearly every shot out of the fairway, do you think players are going to have to play the ball below their feet or above their feet?
2: I don't think there'll be that many flat lies. Yeah. I really don't think so.
0: <laughs> so it'll be one or the other, yeah. a little bit a little, uh, below their feet hill. or a little bit above yeah, their feet. Yeah.
2: Or left foot high, left foot low, everything really.
0: <laughs> and the greens. Now I, you mentioned they're small. Um, what Did you think about their undulation? Because I, you know, I understand that they're also very deceiving in that respect that uh, they look generally flat, but they're far from flat.
2: Yeah, I couldn't figure out a pattern. It was, I, I took note down of where the lake is, where the high point of the course is, and then it didn't go along <laughs> those notes. Um, so I felt like every square feet have different undulation on him. <laughs> and i couldn't catch all of it and i i really struggled reading the greens
0: and they're elevated too so it's going to be and small so, yes
2: and it was like over a month ago so it they weren't you know they didn't have them fast but it was still very fast
0: <laughs> yeah uh the player i spoke with yesterday said the greens were fast but she expected them to be faster by thursday come thursday mm-hmm. Because they had been looking after them and watering them, and I think trying to get them in prime condition for for the four days of the event. Yeah, so. they
2: usually do that so they don't the, the greens don't die too early in the round. Um, I remember whenever I played U.S. Opens, I always had to work on flop shots for at least two months prior to the tournament because that's all you use <laughs> around the greens.
0: Yeah, why don't you explain that to uh, our people at home listening? why the flop shot? And, and why was that such an important shot for you to have in the bag when you were playing at a US Open? At
2: US Opens, they usually keep the greens really firm and really fast, super slippery. The ball doesn't even roll. It kind of slides. <laughs> skids. So it's really fast. And um, I'm used to using 58 degree lob wedge and I'm very comfortable spinning that. But 58 degrees do not work for US Opens. So I'd have to get a 60 degree and get accustomed to the new loft and plus work on a lot of flop shots because the rough around the greens are very thick and also because when you're hitting out of the rough you don't get much spin anyways so you're basically using flop shots for even those very simple shots you would never use flop shots on so yeah us opens are very tough
0: (laughs) so basically you're using the flop shot and the trajectory to land it softly because you're in a. Your ability to put spin in the ball is compromised.
2: Eh? Yes. Even off like tight dice, you you see that your ball is not getting the backspin that you always get and it just runs and it will keep running until it gets off the green.
0: It's a typical U.S. Open setup where even par is going to be a really good score on any given round. I
2: think so. If, especially if they are playing at 67, like I've, I played it a month ago, 6,700 on a long course with tiny greens. It's going to be tough.
0: Yeah. The official yardage, just so you are aware, yeah. is uh, listed at 65, well, a little under 6,500 yards.
2: Oh, okay. Yards. Good, good. <laughs> 67 was so tough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and and for those that don't live near the near the uh, oceans on either coast, just aren't familiar with how much thicker the humidity is and what it does to your golf ball and, and how it just doesn't go as far. Right,
2: right. Exactly. Doesn't get the same um, carry in the air.
0: Yeah, that's what I like about when you go to a place like, say, Las Vegas or, you know, in Colorado or for us up here in Canada, closer towards the Rockies in our part of the world. And it's like, wow, that golf ball sure goes far. In there, yes, I love that. (laughs) So let's chat a little bit about some of the players and Mm storylines, Amy. Alim Kim. Did I say that right? Okay, perfect. Defending champion and uh, kind of came out of the blue last year in houston to win now she went back to play in korea on the klpj and she's back to defend her title now have you heard much about her any thoughts about uh how she might be for this uh to defend her title this month or this week
2: um you know i have not heard too much about her she um she did kind of come out of nowhere for us right But um, I saw that she's third in driving distance. She averages about 282. So I think that's probably why she had the advantage during the U.S. Open because U.S. Opens do usually play very long. Um, And uh, it's kind of a trend right now that when you're kind of a rookie, you tend to win majors. (laughs) So I think she's right in that category. So it's pretty amazing how the young girls are just showing up Turning pro and winning majors,
0: huh? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, the, it's it's very difficult. The The U.S. Women's Open has got to be one of the toughest uh, tournaments to repeat as a winner. Yeah, I think the last one who did it was Kari Webb uh, way back when. Was it Kari or it might have been Annika? One of those two was the last uh, time we had a back-to-back winner at the U.S. Open. So that tells you how, how tough it is and how far back you had to go to find a... Uh, A back-to-back champion. Yeah,
2: U.S. Opens are just no joke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you can say that from experience. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Let's talk about Inby Park. She's a perennial favorite when it comes to majors. And I get the feeling that in a U.S. Open course like this kind of plays into Inby's hands. She's not long off the tee like a lot of the others, but she's consistently in the fairway and And she's probably got the best mind I've seen on the LPGA in terms of knowing where to place her ball and how to move around the course to get herself into scoring position. Mm, What are your thoughts? You know,
2: she has a lot of experience under her belt. She's won like seven majors and two U.S. Opens um, in 2008 and 2013. She sure knows how to keep the ball in play. And that's probably going to keep her out of the rough. And, um, you know, she's won the gold medal at the Olympics and now because this year the olympic is supposed to be on she's turned our game on <laughs> to win the gold medal again i think so she she's got some really good momentum going so you even though she doesn't hit it too long off the tee she still could be in the contention i think
0: oh i most definitely think she's going to be in contention i mean you know she's not the longest off the tee as we've said but uh she's long enough put it that way and her ability to find those fairways is just incredible so yeah
2: and she has, she has like 31 total wins as a pro. That's a lot.
0: <laughs> well, she's, she's the only uh, active playing hall of fame member. Yes. On the LPGA. Yep. So Tells you. I mean, that That's, speaks for itself. Yes. The other one I'd like to chat a little bit about Patty Tavitanniket, I think will be another fantastic storyline. Technically still a rookie mm-hmm. comes out of Thailand. She kind of steamrolled the field a little bit at the a a championship. I mean, it got a little tight for her on that Sunday, but. She was so far ahead going into Sunday that she had some room to play with, and she still won rather comfortably. Right.
2: That was really um,
0: impressive. What are your thoughts? Uh, she hits the ball pretty good. Yep. How do you think she'll fare here? You know,
2: I'm keeping a very close eye on Patty Um, I think she's, she's not that big. She's my height, five five. But she's like fourth in driving average. Um, she hits it about 281 yards is her average. And at ANA, I believe she averaged about 320 for the week, which is amazing, right? I mean, her hit turn was great. And she really kept the ball in play hitting it that long. <laughs> so I was very impressed by her play and just her style of play. It looks aggressive, but very under control. So I was, I, I do love watching her play because of that style. So I think she can do some great things this year.
0: She's just coming off a really good showing in the match play event. Now that's obviously match play, but she seems to have control of her shots and uh, got her mind in the game right now. And I think she used to, did really well to use that event as a tune-up for this week.
2: Yes, I think so. I mean, you know, so far this year, she's made like three top fives plus a win. So that's that's you know getting really getting your momentum going. So yeah, look out for her.
0: Do you think she has any sort of weakness in her game?
2: I mean, if we had to pick one out, I would say just the inexperienced younger player, but I mean, she showed us at ANA that, you know, she she really held her lead until the end and won it. So I don't know if that's a weakness.
0: <laughs> and if it is, she's learned how to manage it. That's for yes. sure. Yeah. Let's chat a little bit about some other favorites or potential contenders. Nellie Corda seems to be a perennial contender. She's long off the tee. She's got a great swing. Uh, when her iron game is on, she's solid as can be, and she gives herself lots of great looks at birdies. I think earlier in the year, she was leading the tour in birdies. Uh, she may still be. I didn't get a chance to
2: check the latest. Yeah, I think she's still is,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. She just hasn't seemed to manage to put it all together for a major
2: yeah, she hasn't want to. She hasn't want to major. Uh, I think she's a great player. She's always one of my favorites to watch. Um, I'm always pulling for her. Um, you know, at the LA Open, I got to interview her because I was out there as a media, and uh, she's she's really chill, really laid back, and she's got her stuff together and uh, a great player. She hits it far too, so she's she's pretty good fit for the U.S. Open as well. Um, Uh, yeah she's driving averages top 10 on tour and she's right now race to cme ranking she's first um on the rolex ranking she's fourth so she's playing great but the majors right she's finished well um a couple times but she's never won it i think when i see players win majors it's usually um when they're able to like stay focused, like the motivation, and they really have to stay hungry. I think it's just half a second you let that go, you kind of let it slip away. So I think with her, um, she is still pretty young, even though she's been on tour for quite a few years now. So I think once she gets that going, she will be winning a lot more.
0: Do you think uh, this will be her breakthrough event?
2: I really hope so. I really hope, I really want to see Nelly win more because she definitely got the talent. So it's just matter of starting one and then everything else will just come like all at once. I think.
0: (laughs) Minji Lee, she's had a very good week in Las Vegas, uh, except for that last round, um, where the wheel kind of fell off with her a little bit there, but she really stormed through that group stage, uh, in the match play. Uh, she's somebody that's sort of been there always in co- uh, contention, but never quite able to put four really good rounds together to walk off with the prize at a major.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, she is one of my another favorites that I'm always pointing for. Cause she's, she's the sweetest person, but she's so serious when she's playing. I love that. <laughs> she's a, you know, competitor. And, um, she, I mean, she's so focused and she plays really well, but I, I just can't believe she hasn't won majors. Um, I remember, I remember she won at the LA Open. Um, I was really happy for her. So she's one of the players that I'm rooting for. She, She's not a long, long hitter, but she's always right in between like 260, 270 off the tee, which is still very good. So she'll do great on long course, long courses. Um She's never really done well at the U.S. Open, I don't think. So that's uh, mm, one part that I'm a little bit worried about. <laughs> oh, top finish was tied for 11th in 2017.
0: Is that kind of going to be her, quote-unquote, weakness for this week? Is just having that little bit of a knowledge in the back of her mind, knowing that she hasn't been able to bring her best to the U.S. Opens? or
2: Yeah, I'm... I'm Pretty sure the course has to suit you really well. And if she hasn't finished in top ten in any of the US opens, may have something to do with you know what she favors.
0: Yeah, it seems it's so important to have that right mental frame of mind going into a especially something like a US Women's Open where the conditions are just downright punishing. Yes.
2: Brutal. You you make one mistake, it could be a double or triple, just like that.
0: Somebody else that's been playing fairly well in the last few weeks and seems to be moving in the right direction is Maria Jutanyagarn.
2: Aha. Uh-huh.
0: I mean she's very steady on the tee. Yeah. Um uh, she's another one that doesn't hit it that far. Right, right. But she hits it far enough uh-huh. and she definitely finds those fairways really really frequently. She's a very steady and player, yes. Very yeah, steady player.
2: Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like she rarely beats herself. Mm-hmm. And with that approach game of hers and that short game is spectacular. I mean, and she was also in, you know, pretty good contention last time in Houston as well uh, for much of the event. So what are your thoughts about Maria? Have you uh, any thoughts about how she might approach it or even Aria for that matter? Um, I
2: mean, you can't be steady golf on us open courses. Um, but, I I think, you know, in my vlog that's going to upload on Wednesday, I kind of had already picked my top five for the U.S. Open and she wasn't a part of it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think I focused more on the driving distance and accuracy for the U.S. Open just because, you know, there are so many like severe uphills and shorter shots into the greens would really benefit on this golf course.
0: All right. Well, we'll get to that (laughs) a little bit later. We'll have our chance to exchange our, our picks. Okay. Yeah, I just remember going back to, uh, I guess it was, yeah, I guess it was at the uh, December uh, U.S. Women's Open, because both Aria and Moria played the third round together. Yes,
2: that's right. That's right.
0: And I remember Aria saying that, you know, uh, she was, her tee shot was always a good 30 yards ahead of Moria, but when they got up to the green, Moria was always closer <laughs> to the pin. Yes.
2: I was wondering how the girls will play playing together in one group because sometimes they may not, you know, it may not work out as well because they might feel like the same as like a practice round and maybe not perform as well. But yeah, I really was hoping for both of them to do well. <laughs>
0: Here are some other names I'm going to throw out you, throw out at you, Jin Young Ko, mm. very steady, world number one. Yeah. She's been world number one now over a year, I believe. Yes. And, and just, uh, she very rarely beats herself as well. Another one of those players that's just, um, so steady and phenomenal when it comes to her accuracy. And well, she had that stretch last year where she just played unbelievable.
2: Mm, really great player. I'm just trying to figure out how she's been doing so far this year.
0: Well, she's, she's played well. She came back. She didn't play a couple of the events early. She came back, um, She competed and was contending in one event. Next event wasn't, uh, she actually missed a cut, which was a rarity for her. Uh, And then she came back and uh, has played pretty steady ever since. So I almost get the feeling that uh, this is the kind of mental challenge that she likes.
2: Yeah, I think COVID kind of threw her off for a little bit, don't you think? Because she stayed in Korea for a little bit and then...
0: Well, but she played in Korea a lot. Yeah. You know, she played on the Korean tour a yeah. lot while she was still there, you know, and she, she had her share of good play there and brought it back over. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard when you're not back into the rhythm. I mean, it's one thing traveling in Korea for golf tournaments and then another when you're in the States going from coast to coast to coast. Yeah.
2: You know, you know what, what happened? I was at the Lode Championship, so I was interacting with a lot of the players there, but I see that she wasn't there. So that's why she was out of my radar. So I I was trying to figure out how she was doing this year. Uh, But, I mean, I see that she finished top 10 uh, at least four times so far. So she's been doing great. But I can't believe how little media attention she gets. And she's like the number one player, like you said, for the longest stretch ever, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, without a doubt. I think a little bit of that is because she did take that time off. To stay in Korea to play. That's probably right. And and rightfully so. And rightfully so. I mean, you know, she's at that age where you don't want to take chances. Right. Um, And I think that's kind of what contributed to it a little bit. She came back for CME and and did really well there. But she did play. She finished uh, runner-up to Brooke Henderson in L.A., She was in the final group with Brooke. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I can't recall if she finished second or not, but she was in the final group with Brooke Third,
2: type with third, but um, Uh, third. Okay. But she was in contention. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing
0: her. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. She was playing really, really well there too. So I think that's going to be something that uh, uh, is a player to watch for sure. Now, one of the other ones I wanted to throw out there was Lydia Cole, because She's been on fire. She was on fire at the ANA when she posted that Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think if it was 62 or 63. Yeah. Just phenomenal. And then she had another round like that in uh, Hawaii, you know, just shooting the lights out. Um, the new Lydia. Yes. And and she's made a point of saying, don't ever think it's the old Lydia. I'm back. She's in some of her con- uh, media conferences. She says, it's not, I'm, the new Lydia. And this is where I'm at today in time. And this is going to be the best that I can do today. Mm
2: -hmm. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. I love her. I I love watching her and she's actually on top of my favorite picks for (laughs) this week.
0: Okay. 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 I I won't ask you to give away too (laughs) much.
2: (laughs) Okay. But I mean, I was really happy to see Lydia play well, starting in a, like you've mentioned. And then I saw her at the, uh, Lotte championship. Um, I actually uh, know her pretty well. She's the nicest girl, but she's very focused. And um, she mentioned that her new coach, Sean Foley, would say, you know, just, you know, you've got it. You All you have to do is just trust yourself. And then she couldn't quite bring herself to do that. But because Sean believed in her so much, it helped her to bring herself to believe in herself. And then things started clicking. Um, I saw her at Hawaii. She looked very relaxed and she was just shooting everything at the flag and every single hole was almost a birdie chance and uh she was playing really solid I noticed a slight difference than the Lydia I saw last year year before was that her her legs got really strong like really a lot muscular even though she's slim her legs look really strong and her swing looked really different and her shots were a lot more accurate because of that. Because if the legs don't hold up, then the shots can be going left and right. You know, some airing shots here and there. She didn't have any of that. Her legs look great. She was hitting it farther because of that, probably. And um, I have a lot of hopes for her. She's, yeah, she hits it about 260 off the tee. But um, I know she's she's got the total total game going right now. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. You picked up on a lot of the key things that I've been noticing about Lydia too. I mean, you know, if you see her on Instagram a little bit like that, you see she's, she's always documenting her workouts and her mobility sessions and whatnot. And she's, you know, I mean, she's not the 14 year old kid we remember on tour. I mean, she's all fully grown up and uh, she's really, really strengthened herself too, you know? And and yeah, I noticed that too. Her leg strength seems to be just immensely uh, improved over where she was just a few years ago. And and you quoted 260 as her driving distance. Now, to the casual observer, that might not sound far when we're talking about, like, Bianca Pagdanan and and some of these other uh, players who can hit it, 280, 290, 300. You know, talking about Patty 320 as an average at, at ANA. But uh, for Lydia, 260, I think, represents one of her, a big improvement over her driving distance. Yes,
2: I think so, um, yeah. And- yeah,
0: she's about another 10 yards 10, 12 yards, 15 yards further than where she was a few years ago. Yes.
2: And, you know, you have to understand that when they get these driving averages, they usually have to take all these uh, missed drive shots that ended up in the rough. So that was a lot shorter than usual or three was off the tee. You know, you have to understand that these averages probably um, includes all those missed shots as well. So when it says 260, it's really a lot longer than that.
0: And they only use the two holes for, uh, recording or measuring the.
2: So yeah, if you don't do well on those two, then your average goes down. So.
0: No, I've been so impressed with her game. Um, I was a little bit surprised at the 63 that she posted or the 62 at the NA, but I wasn't at the same time. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, when I saw her take that driver out to hit off the deck, <laughs> to go for that par five, I'm like, this is the Lydia, you know, you could see the confidence exactly. in her. Exactly. And she just pulled it off and it was a one of the most beautiful rounds of golf I've I've seen in that I can remember, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I saw a round that well.
2: Right, you right. Know, and, it's so, she just played Yeah, old slash new Lydia. I, I love watching her do great as well.
0: <laughs> Yuka Sasso, she's the Japanese Filipino player. She's uh, as you mentioned, a little bit younger. I think she's nineteen. She was the gold medalist at the South, at the Asian Games, and she won a couple of times on the Japanese LPGA last year, which got her into Houston for the U.S. Women's Open. Right, right, right. She finished, I think, 12th pretty, or 14th. Yeah,
2: pretty high up there, I remember.
0: She did, and she was actually in contention for the first few days near the top of the leaderboard before she had that one tough round. Hits the ball a long way. She seems to have all the tools in the bag there, you know, good iron game. She putts consistently well. Her short game is pretty solid and, and, uh, really no real weakness to her golf game, except for maybe the, uh, the experience in terms of how to play these LPGA events.
2: Yeah. You know, she, she does surprise me a lot for how young she is. She plays like she she knows how to handle her game. Her mental doesn't seem to falter. Um, it's really amazing to watch her.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's very calm and quiet. And uh, now I don't know if it's because her English isn't as strong as her Japanese and her uh, Filipino Tagalog, but so that might have something to do with it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I just. She she kind of looks to me like a the quiet assassin.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I if like you that. Will. Yes. I would agree with that one.
0: <laughs> Brooke Henderson. She's uh, obviously um a huge name up here in Canada and our the winningest golfer professional player to ever play in Canada, world number five, a major champion, hits the ball a long way. Mm-hmm. Probably the best iron game on tour, along with say young Kim. Mm-hmm but she just doesn't seem to be able to put it together for a U.S. Women's <laughs> Open. <laughs> I I don't mean to laugh like that, but it's just like, it almost, you know, like you were you and I were chatting a little bit earlier about certain courses for certain horses, if you will, or certain tracks for certain yeah. players. I think the U.S. Open is kind of one of those bogey courses for her, bogey events that kind of has that block for her that she really needs to get over. I think she can win, but it's going to take some work for her to to put it together at a U.S. Open.
2: Yeah, you know, that like really surprises me to think that she's only won one major because maybe because she's won so many times on tour and with the game she has, like you mentioned, she hits it a long ways and she's very accurate. And I mean, she's struggled with the putting a little bit recently, but obviously at the LA Open, she didn't have any problems there. (laughs) Um, So, you know, everybody says she's kind of back now. Uh, because the putting she's doing better. Um, I'm really surprised to see her not doing so well on U S open courses. Cause she just sounds like she's good fit for it. Right. Her driving accuracy is pretty high too, for how uh, far she hit.
0: Yeah. Without a doubt. And that's, and I think that's part of, if you will, the mystery when it comes to Brooke playing U S open courses now, her putter, I think it's reasonable to say that the putter has been her weakness, her Achilles heel when it comes to that. And of course, when you play a US Open, you've got to have a good putter. You can't be three putting too often um, if you're going to be in contention. And one of the things I've noticed is she's still three putting a fair bit in nearly every event she's playing, even though she won in Los Angeles at the Hugel Open there, she uh, she still had quite a few three putts, mm-hmm. um, but she won. I think she had four three-putts in that event.
2: Really? So, wow. you know
0: Yes. So you take those four strokes right there, and you think if she was able to reduce those three-putts, what those four strokes would have done, three or four strokes right there, would have opened the gap up that much. Yeah.
2: You know, I was really surprised to find out that she had slipped out of, like, 100th ranking score putting um, stats. a little bit I was very surprised because she's still been finishing pretty well not you know winning winning all the times but she's a great player she's one of the players that I really do love watching like her and her sister they're a great team they're very you know motivated they're very focused and it's like they take their business seriously and I love watching that and you know she's not big but she really goes after it it's Such a fun to watch her do well. And, um, you know, she was going for the three-peat at the uh, Lotte Championship when I was there. And so I got to cover her a lot. And uh, she's just the sweetest girl, but she turns into this competitor when she's out on the golf course. I love it. So I'm always rooting for her.
0: She's the baby-faced assassin. (laughs) Yes. I know we're using a few of these assassin terms, you know, with Yuko, but I think that could really apply to... To Brooke, you know, she's got that smile. She's got that, you know, that uh, angel-like face and smile. And that sweet voice, Um,
2: like, you know, very girly, sweet voice. (laughs) And then her eyes change.
0: (laughs) She's all, as soon as that golf ball and the tee go into the ground, it's like all business. Yeah, I'm hoping that she's able to pull it together because she's she's always been a, a contender in a lot of the majors. But she hasn't been able to close the deal as of late. Um, and I think a large part of that is because of the depth on the LPGA now, I mean, it's not like it was 15 years ago or 20 years ago where you had a, you know, maybe two or three dominant players. Now you've got a good 10 to 12 players who can win on any given Mm -hmm. week. And if they don't, you've got some pretty darn good players who are middle rank players that can put it together for four rounds and they'll win. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah, so far this year, out of 11 tournaments, we've had 11 different winners. So that proves exactly what, you, what you're saying.
0: You know, thank you for that stat. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the few I didn't get a chance to look at. but
2: There's so many stats out there, it's just impossible to keep up with.
0: <laughs> well, isn't it? Isn't it? What are your storylines going into it this week? Anything in particular that jumps out at you that we haven't mentioned, uh, Amy? This week? Yeah.
2: Um, I think we covered pretty much everything. I'm, I'm curious. Oh, sorry. I'm curious of your picks.
0: <laughs> is this a case of uh, I'll tell you my picks and then you'll share some okay. picks? Your picks?
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is one of the few where I, it's going to be hard to pick a winner. My two picks is being the Kohs, one of Jin Young or Lydia. Oh.
2: So you're just picking the two Kohs?
0: As my two, as the two leaders, wow. I think those, one of those two, I think will be it.
2: Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> it's really cool. I
0: think it's going to come down to one of the coves. Ah. Um, I, I, I I, just have that feeling, you know, um, I'd love to see Brooke win it.
2: Yeah, I would love to.
0: I, you know, I think uh, I'd love to see Se Young Kim, but I just think that's, it's just that, uh. I just don't know if this is the kind of setup that uh, is really conducive to both Brooke and say young Kim, because I mean, they're just pedal to the metal, go for it kind of players. And you know, the combination, I think of the narrow fairways, tall, rough, small greens. I'm not, well, you know what? Their iron play is so superb. Yeah. That, but but
2: you, you, know, you know what? You're
0: going to have a lot of birdie. Looks. You know what?
2: From what you said, Lydia is, you know on fire obviously so she has a great chance and uh with Young ko she's mentally very tough so i think she can really pull something off so i think those are really good choices actually
0: yeah if i was to throw a third one out there and i don't want to say a dark horse because how do you call in park a dark horse <laughs>
2: Right, right. Um, but
0: I think she's going to be lurking yeah, all four days. Yeah, I think days. so.
2: Because she's just gotten her momentum going for the Olympics. So she's her game is pretty hot right now. Um, so you want to hear my picks?
0: I do. I'm dying to hear <laughs> your picks.
2: So, I, you know, in my vlog, I picked five, I told you, right? And I, I'm okay. pretty sure after, like, the first round of the five, three are going to be, like, eliminated, I think, right? So – so my five would be Lydia, Patty, Nellie, Brooke, and Minji. Oh, I know, okay. I know. But I really, I think other than for Lydia, the rest four, I really want them to do well. I think they think will do well, you, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. They're sentimental favorites. You really want to see them finally have that
2: exactly. great exactly. Great It'd round. be great yeah. to see yeah. one of them in, but... I really think Lydia has a great tent.
0: Yeah, I do too. You know, she's her ranking's not back up where it is with some of the other players. But when you can pull a 62 or 63 on Sunday of a major championship and then go out the fo- you know, uh, in Hawaii like she did, and she's taken a little bit of time off to get herself ready
2: mm-hmm.
0: for San Francisco. Yeah. So I think that that's, uh, yeah, yeah. What can I say? Yeah. You know, I just think Lydia's opening a new chapter in the Lydia coast
2: yeah you know you know what's great about Lydia that I another thing I noticed of her when she is playing in tournaments um, you know she's been doing that since she was very young so she's very comfortable out there. she looks like she's just out here for a walk for a stroll seriously she's she's kind of like casually chatting very yeah. loose and she'll tee up and hit. and every tournament round she looks super relaxed and that probably has to give her a huge advantage.
0: Right. For sure. For <laughs> sure. You know, I mean, I think we all have that image of her just walking down the fairway <laughs> in her own little thoughts. And she's thinking about things, Yeah. And, you know, when she gets to her bag, pulls out her mm-hmm. little, her little container of watermelon. Mm-hmm. and
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I was actually um, helping LPGA Korea for their Instagram. I took over their handle and I was doing some video stuff and she'll see me and she'll like wave at the camera. I'm like, she just, you know, I <laughs> came out for a stroll or something. She looks so, so comfortable out there. <laughs> that's great.
0: So that's kind of where I'm at. I liked your pick on Patty. I'm kind of, she's one of my favorite players out there. I mean, she was a favorite that I was following when she was on Symmetra mm-hmm. and still at UCLA, to be ah. honest. But I almost got the feeling that she could play the rest of this year as a freebie, if you will. She's already achieved her season goals, I think by winning the uh, ANA and playing so darn competitively where she's at. Uh, She's played well in a couple of the other events. She's played pretty, I mean, she was steamrolling her competition in the match play in Las Vegas up until that last match. But uh, I mean, she's almost, Mm -hmm. she didn't quite hold on in, uh, in Thailand, but you know, Aria just played a phenomenal final round that day to win. I think she, uh, she's, she's definitely one of the ones I'm going to watch because I will not be surprised if she's the one lifting the trophy on Sunday either.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Thailand was a fair, fair tournament to, you know, judge anybody on because it looked really humid and they all looked exhausted. So I don't think it was a fair test, you know, but I mean, obviously it was (laughs) because, you know, all the Thai girls did really well, I think because of the weather and they had the advantage because of that. But yeah. Yeah. So I thought she still did great. I mean, she just looked really exhausted. That's all.
0: <laughs> no, I know. And come that Sunday, you kind of thought maybe she was going to show the same form again and put her foot down mm. and make sure she walked off with the trophy. But yeah, I'm nobody to do. I mean, yeah. Oh, they were all
2: <laughs> sweltering,
0: yeah. and even the Thai girls who play in that normally. Um, we're having a uh, a tough go of it, so
2: their their faces faces were all bright red. Lydia had the ice pack on her head the whole time.
0: Leave it to Lydia to find a little bit of comic relief and hit and hit home the point. Yes. <laughs> are you uh, going to be on site at all? Or are you going to be heading up to San Francisco?
2: Um, no, I've been doing a lot of traveling, so I'm kind of looking forward to a couple of weeks off. So I'll be home watching. That's probably the best spot.
0: <laughs> so what's up next for you, Amy? I mean, um, you've been so busy with lots of things. Um, I know on your one uh, latest video clip, you are mentioning that uh, you're back to the grind in terms of uh, back to teaching and doing some lessons and things like that. Is that?
2: Oh, yes. I'm, I'm teaching once a week now out at Westridge Golf Club that's in La Habra, California. So I've been limiting students to 10, 10 people So I'm trying not to go over because then my schedule will be too crazy. Um, So that's been really fun working with students again, working on their golf swings. Um, I've had a couple of students fly in from like out of town, out of state and out of country um, to work with me so far this year. So, you know, that's been really fun. Um, Oh, not too long ago, you know, I was in Texas for AT&T Byron Nelson, right? I was there from sunday through wednesday but i already had uh, lessons booked for like thursday and saturday i have students coming from like out of state and out of country so i you know i've had that scheduled already and then but i had to go to texas so i came back wednesday taught the lesson and then i had to go to atlanta friday to interview Jay. so it was it was a crazy schedule when I came back Friday night after the long day of interviewing, working with Sung JM Saturday morning. I had to go out on the golf course for a playing lesson. So that was the craziest week, and I'm still trying to recover from that week.
0: <laughs> well, you're definitely one of the hardest working people I know in golf, without a <laughs> doubt, Amy. It's your energy and enthusiasm is so impressive and uh, and motivating. <laughs> thank
2: you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, it's going to be an interesting week to see for sure coming up in San Francisco. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I think a lot of people are are looking forward to seeing the U.S. Women's Open back in its traditional slot after last year's interruptions. Mm -hmm.
2: I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, me too. We'll have to uh, compare notes afterwards.
2: All right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening in and uh, downloading the show. Um, It's very appreciated and A super big thank you to our guest, Amy Cho.
2: Thank you for having me. That was fun.
0: pleasure. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes our show for today. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to seeing you in two weeks' time. Have yourself a great day. And remember, when you're out there playing golf, keep that golf ball on the short grass. Bye-bye.
1: You are listening to We're Talking Golf, produced by The World of Golf. The views expressed by our guests are the sole views of the guest and not of the podcast show, we're talking golf, nor of the producer, the world of golf nor any of its personnel including the host, Douglas Mader. This episode was recorded on Sunday, May 30, 2021. You may find our guest, Amy Cho, on her YouTube channel at, Golf with Amy. You can also find Amy on Instagram and Twitter. If you have an idea for a future show, please send us an email to info at worldofgolf.org. Please include podcast show in the subject line. This show is the copyright of The World of Golf. Thank you for listening.